Hey guys, welcome back to the Bark Side of the Moon podcast. Today's episode is part two of that two-parter in which myself and Anne dive into the challenges of managing dogs and children in the home. We talk about how best to prepare the humans for this new arrival if the dog has yet to arrive, but also if your new dog is at home already, we have some helpful tips for managing those situations and interactions too. Hope you enjoy. All right, we said it. Part two, we're back. <laughs> Yay! How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. And I, I know good we stuff. discussed that there's probably going to be some crossover with the last one, but that's good. There's yeah. no harm. Just, there was a lot in the last one. So revision. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we were speaking about it. We were we were going to the baby prep, but I think this one is is equally as as important. Um, mm-hmm. There's been many new additions of, of dogs to, to homes in particularly in recent years and uh, now we've more situations in which dogs are having to live in those new homes with children of varying ages uh, and while this could be obviously exciting a lot of fun for the for the humans it could also be and often is quite a stressful and challenging experience for these dogs as they try and make sense of it all and, and <laughs> while they're doing their best to fit in and, and adjust you know so over the years i've seen it time and time again when a, a really lovely family decide to add a dog to their home maybe to help rescue a dog who desperately needs a home uh, but unfortunately it doesn't mm-hmm. quite work out the way they they planned or they 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 saw it happen and, and unfold in their head and the situation they created for the family now is not a happy one uh, for them or their new dog mm, so sadly yeah so i just wanted to talk about how families who maybe now find themselves in a in a situation where they are finding it challenging to manage their children alongside their new dog or uh, dogs together can can help make this uh, <laughs> journey easier for um, both sides going forward mm-hmm Yeah. So, I mean, last time we talked about the very kind of unrealistic and very high expectations that are kind of thrust upon dogs. Mm. And uh, that's often fueled by kind of Internet and social media stuff. You know, that uh, the presumption is is that this is going to be magical and that um, (laughs) that dogs are going to teach children all sorts of wonderful skills and make them better people. And, Mm. oh, God, so much of this stuff. And again, I'm here with the bubble bursting as usual. So. It's a massive pain you've got in your hand. I know it's terrible because my entire (laughs) life is just crumbling people's expectations. And I love dogs and they're wonderful, but they are not, you know, this glorified deity that most people think Mm. of them as being. Because then there's only one one way for that dog and that's down. Yeah, of course. Never live up to those expectations. So, you know, dogs don't teach children. That's definitely an expectation that needs to die. Mm. (laughs) Um, And you know adults must be the model and the guide for children so getting a pet to teach your kids something isn't quite the complete goal you're still going to be doing the work yeah (laughs) basically (laughs) and of course we can't forget you know as i've talked a lot the last time uh, about dogs posing you know a significant risk to safety for children kids you know just normal child behavior um, can be upsetting for dogs. We also have to remember that normal child behavior can be really kind of exciting, overly exciting mm. for dogs. So, and this is something that we've kind of mentioned mm-hmm. off air really was mm-hmm. this thing of kind of small children often behave like dog toys like they squeal they move around erratically they are giant they, squeaky toys yes, that move. yeah sometimes yeah so mm. yeah and we all know what dogs do with dog toys they chase them mm. they bite them they um you know pounce on them all of that stuff and again normal dog behavior and um 
normal child behavior, but sometimes that clash can happen. Mm. And we even have, you know, some data on this, uh, very little, a little bit of data on child dog safety, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we, we do have some, some kind of interesting stuff that's looked at toddler behavior. So small children tend to examine things by bringing their faces right down close mm. to them, bending over them. And that thing of having your face in the dog's face, bending over the dog, gazing into the dog's eyes, all of those are risk factors for bites <laughs> to the face. And all of that is not natural normal toddler behavior so you can imagine then and again nobody's been a bad child and nobody's being a bad dog these are just the normal things they do and then we can have the the clashes and Mm. yes there are absolutely uh, benefits documented benefits to children spending time with the dog or living with the dog but to be perfectly honest with you the entire literature and i mean again we could do like i literally do a course on this we actually do a course on this where we look at the inconsistencies to the reporting and the studying of the benefits that dogs present Mm. uh, to humans Um, we don't fully understand the mechanisms by which dogs might might benefit humans uh, that's not really well understood Mm. and the effects are very likely overstated nobody wants to read clickbait stories about how dogs are actually bad for us (laughs) Um, nobody wants to read that so that isn't stuff that's that's you know promoted um and um so we you know yes they can be beneficial but we do have to remember that that's that's in very specific situations where the adults are responsible and appropriate guides and models for that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's something that I talk a whole lot about because I get very uh, uncomfortable when people talk about, you know, the lessons that dogs can teach children. And I'm mm. like, well, mm, that's a, just another expectation that's going to be really hard for that dog to, to, uh, to live up to, you know, the no, adults it's, are still going to be. Yeah. Yeah. It really is impossible yeah. um, for, for dogs to live up to most of our expectations of them. Yeah. That can make their life really, really hard. Um, and of course, there are high expectations thrust upon caregivers and pet owners and parents as well. And mm. um, I, I talk about this all the time that none of this stuff is common sense. Mm. None of this stuff comes natural. None of it is intuitive. You can learn it, but you actually have to learn yeah. it. Uh, so we actually have to actually go and do that. And like, you know, when we grew up, Graham, in our day, all those. <laughs> donkeys years ago put on the old music <laughs> in the background here yeah 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 yeah, yeah. do do now please. 26 um, it's, it's, it's like that thing is like when somebody says oh 20 years ago i think it's the 80s but 20 years ago was actually 2000s but I in know. the 80s i know right yeah. that is that's terrifying it's freaky it's terrible yeah oh, it's awful so like we grew up in the 80s and it was definitely different for dogs the world was different dogs the leash laws weren't really a thing and uh, we didn't <laughs> have the same dog control uh legislation that we that, that came in in the early 90s mm. Um, and, uh, you know, dogs were different and the dogs that we had access to, the dogs that that uh, grew up with us were different dogs. They were usually dogs that were produced in that neighborhood. There was kind of a natural selection effect <laughs> to those dogs. They were living in that community. They owned that um, and they were neighborhood. To... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was a very, very different time. There was also fewer people. There was yeah. also uh, fewer roads. There was all these sorts of things. So the way that dogs were when we were kids is just different now. Yeah, of course. The whole situation is different. It just is. And it's changing um, and quicker it, and quicker year yeah, and year. And it's yeah, it continues to change. And we only have to look at the last two years to see the drastic changes yeah. that have occurred at society level. Mm-hmm. And those changes now, as we go back, like there are some dogs that have never experienced a pre-COVID world. There are some children that have never yeah. experienced that. Um, so it's all, it's, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of change. Um, so, and you know, and again, we, we mentioned this 
you know, the last time by making sure that we have a realistic understanding of dog behavior and, and again, the, the normal, natural, necessary behavior that can pose a risk to children. And of course, breed alone isn't an accurate predictor of safety. So, mm. um, uh, you know, just thinking that, oh, that dog is safe because it looks a certain, like a certain dog or it's a, ty- a certain type of dog. Mm. Um, the, the thing is, is that most dogs are, uh, most dog bite victims are children. Most mm-hmm. victims who will require medical attention will be children. And most biting incidents involve the family or a familiar dog in a familiar context. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the vast majority. So th- those are the greatest risk factors, basically. Um, we want to know about that individual dog, not about its breed necessarily. We want to know about its behavioural history because, again, we have a little bit of data that's shown that most dogs involved in child bite cases have had previous bites or previous biting behaviour or behaviour indicative of biting or fearful related behaviours in their histories. Um, and one thing I can absolutely guarantee is, is that the concerns we're having probably are not about dominance mm, or whatever no. the, go-to term is Mm. and yes social dominance exists and dogs are social animals but it isn't our problem in this context Mm. and again we could probably do a whole podcast just on that Uh, and again we do a course on it talking about the internet um and uh, um you know this this isn't really what we're what we're talking about and so a lot of what we talk about in this context might kind of challenge what the listeners already think they understand or want to understand about dog behavior so you know, thank you for being willing to take in new information and and mm. and uh, and listen to other points of view and assimilate that in whatever way you need to assimilate that. But but dominance is probably not your problem. No. <laughs> so the bottom line would be um, there. Mm. It's probably far more likely to be uh, things that we can um, adjust in the environment to help everybody be safer. Yeah, absolutely. So, what challenges face dogs? when they enter a home with children living there? Oh, God, so many, so many challenges. <laughs> um, Again, give me you your know, top 10. No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, so like what we've really been talking about. So the expectations that are thrust upon them, normal child behavior, normal dog behavior, mm-hmm. and the, the, the kind of the constant flux that tends to happen, particularly in a busy family home. There's constant changing. There's constant um, routine adjustments. Every day is a different, is a different oh, yeah. kind of pattern. And those are things that dogs find difficult Mm. and can contribute to ongoing stress and even anxiety for dogs Mm. and this can cause them to be uh you know kind of a little bit more uh sensitive to things uh be a little bit more kind of reactionary Mm. than they 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 would otherwise be Um, and again this can can cause problems for the children it can also contribute to welfare issues for the dog and we have to remember that as well we don't have a ton of uh valid or reliable data on the the welfare experience of companion dogs uh, unfortunately because everybody presumes that pet dogs have a good life because they live like us Mm. uh, or live with us but uh, that's not necessarily going to be the case consistently Uh, dogs dogs need a dog life too Um, and certainly we have a little bit of work that's looked at the effects of you know the presence of children in a home um, and that possibly contributing to um, greater levels of stress in terms of welfare for the dog Mm. so we do you know and it's the things that go along with that so we we do need to to just be mindful and this isn't about blame this is about understanding well why might behavior be affected in this way why might this be challenging uh for the dog um so that we can actually adjust things to to help it so it's not about blaming anybody or targeting anybody uh or anything like that it's just more about developing an awareness of the the source of things that could be contributing to this yeah yeah so 
yeah, <laughs> lots of challenges. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> lots, so many. So you know, they're they're in this situation now. So people listening now say, okay, right? Well, how can I recognize if my dog is struggling? I think he or she is doing okay. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. while they're tra- tra- transitioning but uh, and we spoke about it before when you get a a, a brand new dog uh, maybe a puppy but might also be from a rescue or uh, you know two three four years years of mm-hmm. age and in the in the initial stages the dog is literally just trying to figure it, it all out and you're not going to see mm-hmm. um yeah the, the, the whole package just yet so yeah. people think early yeah. on it's great you know you got in the early stages everything was going fine and then yeah. you know yeah. so what what should people be looking out for you know early signs uh, what mm-hmm. what easy things and for I, them I to recognize that's a really good observation to make graham because i think that that will often what happens to that dog in the those first few weeks and months home mm. is really forming their impression because it's their only impression yeah. of you and the family and life and all of the things that go along with them, the children and they're forming those associations that are is are, that's preparing them for the way they're going to prepare they're going to behave in those contexts. Mm-hmm. So in the first few weeks and months of a new dog in in uh, in their new life, um, and don't listen to the internet memes. This varies in you know timeline and stuff like mm. that. But during that time, dogs will often be overwhelmed yeah. by the stress of changes, and even if they've come from a really bad situation into a really good situation it's the change is the effect Mm -hmm. and um that can kind of suppress behavior so we think the dog is being super calm or super tolerant Mm -hmm. and i will see pictures of new dogs in homes or in situations where they you know and i'm not suggesting anybody's doing anything bad and i don't i'm not suggesting that the dog is necessarily showing outrightly discomfort related behavior Mm -hmm. but you know where dogs and children are just being put into situations because everybody assumes that the dog is is safe and tolerant mm-hmm. and happy and enjoying this but but what could be happening is and far more likely to be happening is is that a new dog in a new situation is feeling overwhelmed uh, by all of the stuff so we don't see as much of their behavior mm. we don't they, they don't feel it's safe to be demonstrative no. really is the issue mm. and so that dog might be put into situations and those situations are then allowing that dog to form those associations so they are they are learning that this is what happens to me and I can't escape it. This is what happens to me and I feel unsafe. Mm. Um, and so that can lead us to problems down the line. So really, you know, we need to be really super careful. And again, understanding that this is normal for dogs. So they don't need to be hugged by children. They don't need no. to be unrestrained with children. They don't need to have access to small children in those first early early times in their new home mm-hmm. like that's exceptionally exceptionally important so everybody is safe and also to make sure that the the child's expectations of the contact they can have with the child uh, with the dog are realistic as well that's really really super important but i think a lot of this will come from misinterpreting dog behavior so probably the the the, the biggest one we talk about in this in this context is that a, a dog that looks excited is a dog that's happy mm. and you know i think we need to have a good understanding that excitement and excitable related behavior is actually the first level of stress behavior mm. that flirt fidget level of stress and um you know and um, yes we definitely often and we do need to talk about the kind of more subtle discomfort signaling those so-called distance increasing signals mm-hmm. like whale eye and lip licking and yawning and head turns and 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 those sorts of things so those pre-growl um mm-hmm. signals yes we absolutely have to talk about those but i want to talk about you know and and help people understand earlier and earlier signals mm-hmm. that they can see so that we're we're not 
you know, already helping that dog further form more negative associations with uh, with children or contexts that involve children. So, mm. so getting in there and and redirecting everybody as early as possible is super important because those associations, particularly from early on in the relationship, those associations stick. They form yeah. the impression uh, for that dog forever, and it can be it's it's so much harder to turn those emotional responses around into something more pleasant. Uh, it's so difficult and requires so much work. Mm. And I think one of the things that often happens uh, with people is is they presume that puppies are clean slates, mm. and they presume that puppies are very very tolerant of. Uh, sort of handling the puppies get and the sort of social situations puppies are put into mm. and puppies respond well first of all puppies um, and I think we've talked about puppies as well haven't oh yeah we? um, and first of all puppies don't have fully mature communication mm. systems so they really don't they're not terribly good even if people recognize those subtle discomfort uh, s- s- uh, signals mm-hmm. that dogs use. Uh, puppies often don't, they're not consistent with, with adult dogs because they're not mature yet. Mm. Um, and th- one of the ways that they communicate their discomfort is with biting. And oftentimes by the time I get to a family uh, who have just had a puppy, the child is already <laughs> terrified of the puppy yeah. and the puppy has been practicing lots and lots of biting and chasing and jumping mm-hmm. because the child is, is frightened mm-hmm. and and showing stress-related behavior the dog is responding with stress-related behavior and again we have this clash um again nobody's being bad mm. nobody's doing the wrong thing it's a normal child response it's a normal puppy response but then we have this kind of unpleasant clash that happens and uh, and and we're backtracking all the time mm. um so i think you know this misinterpretation of dog behavior i think is is really important and there are things that we can do as early as possible to prepare and to prevent um, this stuff happening. And, you know, you hear me say all the time that the dog's behavior is information, mm-hmm. but so is the child's behavior. Yeah. The child's behavior is information telling us about what they, they need as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and this is happening. And, I, you know, it's normal for an undocumented, I mean, we have, we have data on this, that, that kids' interest in caring for the dog wanes as they age and as they kind of develop a social circle of their own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, early on with small children and because they spend most of their time in the home, they tend to have very intense interactions yeah. with children or with dogs. And that, of course, is when the the, the, the risk factors are, are just greater and the risk is higher. Mm-hmm. So we do need to make sure that we're, we're getting in there with, uh, with good management in place to prevent these things from becoming a problem and prevent us having issues down the line. So the dogs are, are doing their best. The children are doing their yeah. best. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, when something um, potentially scary happens or, you know, a parent witnesses something that they mm-hmm. think, yikes, uh, um, my child's in danger here or something, the first mm-hmm. reaction is to maybe reprimand the dog. Um, mm-hmm. And can you just speak about the dangers of, of, of that, obviously, and, and the fallout from that, if that's what your yeah. reaction is going to be. You know, I think like I'm not a parent, so mm. I can have all of the, you know, I can give all of the advice yeah. and like, do all the preaching. Um, now, I do have um, nieces and our niece and nephews and things like that and have spent a lot of time with dogs and children, but it's very different living with that situation. Yeah. So whereas I'll definitely come across with, you know, lots of very conservative um, advice and say, well, you absolutely can't do that. You absolutely, you know, must not do that. And all of these sorts of things. Yeah. The reality is living it can be really very absolutely. different. And I can totally understand where a caregiver gets a fright and their initial response is to yell at the dog or whatever. To protect them. Um, and yeah. like you say, reprimand the dog, of course. And it's just, it's a kind of a human response. Yeah. I mean, you're a human 
Like, yeah. so this is all normal stuff. So we're not blaming no, or anything no, no, like no. that, but certainly we need to be careful yeah. because one of the things that I emphasize with pet owners is, is that you as the adult are a model for how this child is going to treat this dog. Mm-hmm. And, and if, it, you know, if we want children to get those benefits from having a dog and spending time with a pet, for example, so such as developing empathetic responding mm-hmm. and all of those things and beginning to understand how another person, you know, another individual might feel in a situation. Um, like that's only going to happen if we actually model that. And so this is, you know, I absolutely understand that, you know, there can be reactions if if there's a close call and you're only human and all those mm-hmm. things. So, so that's why management is so important. Mm-hmm. So we avoid those yeah. close calls. So we actually go, well, okay, well, this is a situation where I get super stressed when I see the way the dog and child interact. So let how can we come up with an alternative plan for this? How can I prevent this from happening? How can I give the dog something more appropriate to do? How can I give the child something more appropriate to do and and, and let us go about it that way instead? Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting for this kind of reactionary um kind of situation to happen and then it all goes it all goes south from there really. Um, and we, we don't want that to happen. So certainly I don't want the dog to have negative uh, experiences in contexts in contexts that are associated with children. Mm. So, you know, where they have scary experiences, where they're told off, where they're confined and they're uncomfortable with that or where they're um, yelled at or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because just one of those experiences takes such a long time to turn around yeah. how that dog feels about that situation. And I want, I want the dog and the child only to have calm and kind of quite neutral mm-hmm. experiences with one another. So they, and that's you know, difficult actually, to the, do, but that's yeah, what it's, want, re- yeah. it's so difficult and it's so difficult. You're living with this on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for me to come in and say, you know, in a session and say, oh yeah, just do these things, mm-hmm. but you actually have to live it mm-hmm. and you have to prepare dinner and juggle everything. And, uh, and, and that's really hard. So I, I'm, I'm very, very, uh, empathetic about all of that and we we have to look at what are the routines what are the spaces we have how do we use these spaces what way can we make this as safe as possible for dogs and children and i my priority really is is yes i want to prevent biting and i want to prevent those those sorts of dangerous situations but actually i want to go way back and go well how can i prevent there being negative associations that either the children or the dogs or both yeah. are rehearsing inappropriate behavior in the first place yeah and absolutely that's, yeah exactly mm. and that's where i'm starting and that's what i'm looking at so so you know yeah you can have kind of reactive responses when there's close calls but my emphasis would be, or my approach to that would be, well, how can we prevent close calls from happening then? Yeah. Because you know, you're only human, you of know. Of course, so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and that's totally acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to be human. Yeah. Um, so we go back to, you know, the the, the, the friends and family influence, which is, is is so massive, you know, and and you're you're chatting and say, oh, the dog did this. You're like, oh, you want to nip that yeah. in the bud straight away. Yes. You want to yeah. straight, now let them know that is not okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the, uh, obviously this, the, you've just gone into it there, but people don't understand. Obviously, that's how sometimes dogs can go from they're trying desperately to tell you, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable with something. And if you're not listening, they have to escalate and escalate and escalate and it can go to a bite. And if you're punishing, obviously, all of those other warning signs, they can skip them altogether and go straight to a bite with very little or no yeah i mean you know we we certainly talk about that a whole lot and there you know i we don't we don't have a lot of data on that but certainly Mm. this makes sense about what we understand about about social behavior and aggressive responding that it happens along a continuum Mm -hmm. you know um we don't get into a you know an argument with 
with somebody um, and go from zero and being unhappy to like drop kicking that person in the yeah. face. You know, there are tons you of might, stages, but, yeah. you know, hopefully not. <laughs> well, you know, I'm hoping for the most part. Um, uh, but you can see where those things happen or where, you know, where escalations happen really quickly in situations where there's already a background level of stress, there's already a yeah. background level of pressure. Um, and that can happen really easily. And I think, um, I, I don't tend to approach it from a, I need to stop that behavior. Mm. I tend to approach it from a, well, how can I prevent that yeah, association starting one. at all? Mm-hmm. So I go go way back a little bit earlier rather than thinking in a reactive kind of way. I'm going to go, well, how could, how could we prevent that dog being put in that situation with that child or how can I prevent that child being put in a situation with that dog Mm. and often this will come down to you know really careful supervision and really careful management and that's on the adults yeah Um, children or dogs cannot be held responsible for that they can be held responsible for anything Mm -hmm. um you know so that's that's really down to the adults and them developing an awareness of those situations and again it it comes back to what we're talking about the whole time is having an understanding of what normal dog behavior is what normal child behavior is yeah yeah and the punishment uh, you're, you're trying to stop like you say you shouldn't be thinking about stopping this particular one because as well mm-hmm. it might stop x behavior but the dog mm-hmm. is going to think of some other way of expressing how they're feeling as well it might not be yeah. that but something else is going to come up so it's, it, it, yeah. it becomes like whack-a-mole you know after after a while you know so or it can yeah so it might seem like more work <laughs> to do it and be proactive and and manage mm-hmm. but it, it's always the best thing to do long term and it's actually less work in the long run if you do and actually it's it's better teaching because once the dog has so behavior happens in a particular way it happens in a kind of a particular formula Mm -hmm. something tells the animal that a particular behavior is going to result in an outcome Mm -hmm. so the animal learns about that context or what i tend to say is is that dogs learn in pictures yeah so when the child arrives the dog is already going based on my previous experience this is the behavior that works to get me whatever um so that that's all that has to happen Mm -hmm. so if the dog goes through that entire sequence so the dog is in the situation does the behavior and the outcome happens you coming along afterwards with your yelling or whatever you're too late to the party Mm -hmm. the jollies have been got Mm -hmm. the associations have been formed you Mm -hmm. have you have allowed for that situation to happen so this prevent and you know and it's hard for us because we live in a punishment-based society mm-hmm. so where everything is here's all the opportunities to mess up now here's the ways we're going to go after yeah, you, we're gonna for that. you now. and i mean mm. could we even call it punishment based because punishment technically means that behavior reduces and the thing is is that a lot of the things that where punishment is applied so if you think of like um you know parking fines if you think of things like um speeding fines Mm -hmm. those sorts of things they are going to affect certain people who have means in very you know not at all Mm. and so doesn't really punish behavior just actually weaken behavior um so you know this is this is the problem that we have and the thing is if we think about it you know if we talk about clampers for example (laughs) but it's my the example that i always use is that okay we don't like being clamped Mm. but how do we feel about the clampers yeah I mean, they're probably the least popular people on the planet. So we don't really want to have our dogs in situations where they're going to form those negative associations with children. Mm. Things that are around when scary things happen become part of the scary picture. And we don't really want the dog um, associating that with with children. I don't want the dog associated with anybody, but specifically with children. Yeah, 100%. And that's why we're <laughs> that's why we're doing this today. Um, okay, cool. So let's flip it. So, what okay. things can people do to prepare 
their children or the actual family members for the arrival of a new dog? I think that's such a cool question and I one I didn't expect that we'd be talking about, but actually it's such a cool way of approaching this because uh, one of the first things I'll do when people talk to me about, you know, what sort of dog should I get? I say, well, actually, that's the wrong question. The first question you should be asking is, what can I realistically offer a dog? Mm. Or what can we as a family realistically offer a dog? So what time do I have? What resources do I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can go, okay, well, this might fit in here. This might fit in here. But one of the things I would say to you, if you're thinking about getting a dog, particularly if you have children, just because it takes on a le- an extra level of significance, is get help before you choose. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean getting help from like the breed forum because all of those people are going to you know have a vested interest of course um, in promoting whatever type of dog and don't necessarily go oh well this is what family dogs are because again breed isn't your best um, predictor of safety or suitability either Mm. the breed breed choices are based on things that are way beyond actual suitability Mm -hmm. um so i think that's that's important get help from a neutral person like a a trainer Um, and if you want help considering you know the sort of dog that you should get absolutely contact us and uh, we can we can absolutely hammer it out and think about it um and there's all sorts of tips and tricks to go about it particularly if you have children because there's a lot of pressure if there's kids because they'll want a dog that they saw or they'll want a dog that their friends have or they'll want a specific you know whatever yeah. um, to, and that might not be the best thanks decision. to toilet roll and paint uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had two of the yeah. most popular breeds for years yeah and still one is still gone strong the other one you don't see wow. too many yeah, of anymore oh, yeah yeah okay yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's that that's the that's the truth, though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, yeah. you know, a dog in a TV show or, or whatever. And that's that's yeah. where the pressure comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And th- of course, children are, can be expected to have an understanding of the implications of choosing a particular dog or a particular type of dog. Yeah. Um, so that that has to be up to us. And, uh, and we, the adults will, requ- you know, will need to, to offer a lot of guidance there. Hmm. So we need to be prepared because a dog will mean lifestyle changes. Mm. It just does. You cannot expect to bring an animal in of a different species and expect it just to slot in with your life. That's really not how this is going to work. So that's going to mean a ton of management and management usually means that there will be lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And that means it will affect you. It will affect your family, not necessarily forever because the hope is, is that we're helping the dog integrate more and more and more, but that takes time to develop those skills. Um, and there are no shortcuts. And what I'll often say to people is, if they're considering this, I'll say, well, you know, did you really want to get another toddler? Is that what you wanted? <laughs> because that's the level of management and work that we have to put in, certainly initially. And particularly if you get a puppy um, who needs to develop all of the life skills, um, <laughs> uh, you know, they are, they are not clean slates. They come with stuff. So, mm. you know, do you want another toddler? Think of the lifestyle changes you would have to put in place if another toddler were to arrive in your house tomorrow. Um, you know, the baby gates would be going back up, all the valuables would be going up higher. All of that stuff is starting again. Yeah. Um, and and those are things that we that we need to consider. And of course, mm-hmm. we've been talking a lot about this, but consider that normal dog behavior, consider normal child behavior and where they can clash. And, you know, we've talked about some of the the, the various you know, different things that children can do that are completely normal. So the one that we talk about all the time is the main risk factors for bites to kids and particularly bites to the face is that the child is bending over the dog, the human and the dog's face are kind of close up and the child is gazing right into the dog's face. And that's quite normal for small children to do that. That's Mm -hmm. how they investigate things. So that's, you know, 
contributes to the the greater risk for them being bitten in their face it's quite normal for kids to appear to kind of push boundaries but really what's happening is is that they want to learn and work stuff out for themselves so that's an important part of growing up but it also means that they might not stick to the rules you know in relation to interactions um with the dog so that means that there will have to be ongoing guidance ongoing reminding them ongoing instruction ongoing supervision it's not just a one and you're done Mm. so i don't just tell the kids oh don't you know touch the dog when he's eating that is has to be a thing that's every day and we have to put a ton of things barriers and 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 things in place to make that easier for everybody to uh adhere to so you know we we definitely emphasize the development of rules for interactions um Uh, between dogs and children and we will have particular things that are absolutely out of the question so sitting on the dog or pulling on the dog and and those sorts of things Uh, but we also have to have we also have to have rules about well how do we interact with them yeah what do we do to you know um, um, and we'll talk a lot about that and what's super important is that the adults are modeling appropriate interactions um and so you know, do you often tell the dog off? Do you often grab stolen items out of the dog's mm. mouth? Do you often pet the dog when the dog doesn't invite mm. it? All of those things, your child is seeing that. And they're seeing that and they're learning for that way more from the stuff you're saying to them. Mm. So it's about the adults modeling that, um, that, 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 that kind of those interactions, that relationship. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work through all of that with pet owners, you know, we'll let them, develop an understanding of you know does my dog really need to be part of this yeah you know what sort of kid free zones and dog free zones can we use to make sure that everybody's safe and comfortable and we have places for this and the question i'm always asking about for on behalf of dogs i suppose what are the emotions memories and associations the dog is forming in that situation so if Mm. they're rehearsing that behavior what is happening and how is this going to affect future behavior Mm. you know so are they always associating children and you know all of the kids with like extra high octane excitement, extra noise, lots of movement, lower availability of escape outlets, all of the things that get dogs kind of feeling stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I think we can absolutely teach children about dogs and things like that. And and there are a number of programs that have been developed to help um, teach children, um, you know, improved safety mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, when it comes to dogs. And one of the things that probably benefits most out of those things, rather than the child necessarily learning about um canine signaling Mm -hmm. that might not always be the key to this Mm -hmm. but it might be better to teach children about safe or unsafe contexts so what can they do when the dog is doing x Mm -hmm. so if the dog's eating where should the children be for example um you know so if the dog is close to their resources if the dog feels cornered you know all of those sorts of things how do we approach dogs and the goal i suppose is always about everybody learning to just share space so we start, the exposures start with no interaction. So the kid has stuff to do. The dog has stuff to do. They're learning to coexist. They're learning to be in one another's presence without too much direct interaction. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, for learning. And this is eventually how we'll establish this with both species, basically, mm-hmm. helping them to learn and live together more peacefully. Yeah. So it doesn't have to, the criteria for success is not interaction or playing or the child feeding the dog or the child no. teaching the dog or the dog, the child shouting at the dog or any of yeah. those things. It's that they can just share space and dogs mm. love children 
with whom they can just be feel safe with sharing space so they can just lie down over there and the child is working over there and everybody's happy Mm. and getting along and and on they go all chill yeah Mm. yeah i think so Mm. yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) the way to go yeah so that, that that's really really cool and super helpful and and then of course occasionally people will know themselves that it, it's not working now that they've ado- mm-hmm. a- adopted the dog or uh, and they're kind of reluctant to quote unquote give up or quote unquote let, let the dog down after adoption you know and that's yeah. not because I've worked in it before and uh, there, there's right. a certain amount of pressure from the organizations on to put on these people to make it work uh, which is unfair mm-hmm. um, so if they're in that situation and they're, and, and they're good and big on good feeling, um, if you really, truly are thinking this is not working, well, like, what advice are you giving to those people in that situation? I know it's not a easy question to answer. Mm, so. No. And it's, you know, we have to consider that making any decision about a dog's future mm. is always going to be difficult and it's fraught with pain mm. and nobody wants to consider these things no. and they and it does happen because sometimes we're just not in a situation that we can adjust things sufficiently to make sure that children are going to be safe as, as to the best of our possible ability i mean you know all dogs do bite so mm-hmm. like we can't eliminate biting at all from from interactions between dogs and humans regardless of their children or not um but certainly we, we there's a lot of things we can do to mitigate risk and that's really important mm. so the first thing that we'll always talk about is a risk assessment so how do we keep the dogs safe how do we keep the people safe how do we keep the children safe what are the things that are required to do that and then what resources do we have mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that we can meet the dog's basic welfare needs, the basic welfare needs of the family, um, and um, and 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 that's where we that's where we start. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes it's not safe. And do you know what? In in some of these cases, the dog is going to do really well in another type of yeah, environment. Exactly. Yeah. In another place where those adjustments could work. Yeah. Um. And 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 that might be a better opportunity. But there are definitely difficult um questions to answer in relation to dogs that maybe have a bite history in relation mm-hmm. to children or bite history in relation to anybody and rehoming those dogs and there's also the complications and we might even do a podcast on that yeah um, absolutely on, on some of those terribly awful awkward difficult painful topics yeah. um but but you know that is something that can come up because we are not going to we're not in the business of putting children at risk we're not in the business of putting dogs at risk mm. and impacting everybody's welfare that's not why we do this mm. um so we want to make sure people are safe and 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 dogs are safe and everybody can be living the best life that's possibly available to them mm. um you know and like the thing is dogs shouldn't have to tolerate interactions that scare them or make them feel uncomfortable you know and exposing dogs to that just puts children at risk and and uh, you don't want to do that. 100%. No. Okay. Excellent. I hope you have a cheerier question for the next one. <laughs> uh, well, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Not really. Like, I, I, I uh. mean, it's it, it's the same message, isn't it? Uh, in, 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 in the end that we always talk about, about help and advice. And we're, mm-hmm. we're always saying the same thing. And, you know, forgive us for that. But it's 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 what we're... What <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we could just do one what, podcast what we're, and cover all the bases. <laughs> what we're trying to say is always, you know, ask for help as early as you possibly can if it, mm-hmm. you try not to wait yeah. too too late um yeah 
because everyone is doing all of this with the best will in the world wants it to work out and yeah okay it doesn't help movies tvs uh internet Mm -hmm. it does not help people make uh, the best choices but if you're in the situation or you're thinking about entering into into the situation ask the people that really do know because yeah you and and people like yourself are desperately trying to help everybody and help Mm -hmm. the dogs to make it work you know so please yeah. do ask and, and don't want uh, and don't 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 wait yeah and there's there's no shame there's no blame if you come to me with um queries or you know if you're looking for advice or something has happened and you want to understand the best route forward i'm not going to judge you i'm not going to blame you we're not going to we're not in the business of doing that mm-hmm. because it's unproductive it doesn't matter the stuff has happened yeah. now let's move forward yeah. let's see what we can do next yeah, absolutely awesome yeah, but get in touch as quickly as you can, as early as you can. Don't wait for this to feel unmanageable and overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. There's more work the longer you wait. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. Virtual high five. Um, okay. <laughs> um, no, thanks so much, as always, Anne. And Thank yeah, you. I think we've a couple of things have cropped up there while we've been chatting uh, other topics, but it's yeah. it's cool because it's only the beginning and there are so many things like we said earlier on that we want to talk about and there's just not enough time in the day to get it out but um, I know, I know. um like we've been saying and i've been saying in the outro to nearly every episode please and and, and you've been doing uh, great and doing it guys keep sending in the suggestions <laughs> and and the feedback yes. because it's gonna know. help it's shape it for you because it's what who it's for you know so yeah. Um, awesome thanks so much Anne you're so good thanks a million talk Talk to you you again soon look after yourself thanks again so much for listening today guys and as always thank you so much for all of the positive feedback and your suggestions if you enjoy the show remember to please subscribe to the podcast leave a rating and review and recommend it to all of your friends and family to help us reach and help more people and their dogs Also, please give us a follow on Twitter at BarksidePod and also on Instagram at BarksidePod to help grow our online community. If there are topics you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please do share those with us on social media or simply mail us at BarksidePod at gmail.com and we will do our very best to cover those in future episodes. Look after yourselves and your doggies. Thanks again for joining us and we will look forward to seeing you here again real, real soon.